welcome to the Culture Cave. I'm Anthony, and that's Conrad. Hello, we're here again. Again. Now, this is technically episode eight of our uh, of our 1899 uh, breakdown. What you will know if you read our, our post, if what you won't know if you didn't, is that this is actually the second time recording this episode, Conrad. The lost episode. That's what <laughs> we've we've created a, a lost, treasured piece of internet content. Oh. Um, I say we created it. You've just deleted the corrupted file, yeah, yeah. and I've deleted my side of it today because I was like, "There's no point in me keeping this." One uh, yeah, so, one-sided conversation with, with just Conrad. yeah, it would have just been me talking to myself, uh, which I do do from time to time, but no one needs to see. Oh, okay. That. So just to, like you know, tech heads out there, what, what, there was no chance of saving it. I did a lot of uh, investigation. Basically, what happened was my disc ran out of space to write it, but I was recording in an MP4, so therefore it couldn't write it until technically the recording had stopped. The recording didn't stop because it crashed, and now it's all corrupted, so we couldn't get it. Anyway, so last week's, I think Conrad's in agreement with me, with me though. That's the episode we recorded. That was probably the best episode of the whole season. It was a banger. It was an yeah. absolute banger, yeah. and, it, and I think we needed to take a week yeah. to like get the energy back and also to forget the hilarious jokes that we made just hopefully so we come we up with them make... again spontaneously we, yeah i i've got absolute faith that we will return to those jokes and it will feel organic yeah. because i can't remember what we said yeah, in the, last, the, the last time we recorded this now yeah i can't remember and i'm gonna be completely honest with you geez it was good stuff and I, i'm and i'm gonna apologize oh. now if you, if you think that somehow <laughs> what we do with this episode is some somewhat anticlimactic just always know there was a perfect podcast yeah. out there, and it- add thirty percent of performance to anything you get in this episode. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and if we're on a hundred percent, we hit hundred and thirty percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> essentially, what what Conrad and I did: imagine taking one of your best friends, sitting down for two hours, and then just talking the whole time as if you're recording a podcast. That's what we did, and you yeah. know what? I think we're better friends for it, Conrad. Now. Yeah, we've definitely we've been through the crucible of uh, of technical problems on podcasts together now, and have emerged, forged anew. Yeah, <laughs> like like the One Ring is is what we've become now. Yeah, every time we just hang out, that's how we talk to each other now. Um, but anyway, so yeah. there we go, guys. That's that's how you. That's how. Uh, just 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 as a little proviso there, you know, we've had yeah. these conversations. And apologies before. for the delay. Apo- I guess. And yes, apo- yeah, massive delay. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. Also, like there is the element as well. Like we had geed out, uh, geed. Geed? Car- Geed. Car- yeah. Character from Geed? Character from the Mighty Ducks, yeah. Um, yeah, we G'd ourselves up. <laughs> yeah. Geed Gisborne, <laughs> the character from Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of geese out there. But anyway, we G'd ourselves up yeah. to do the last episode, knowing that it was cancelled, knowing that our theories wouldn't go anywhere. And, yeah. and then just to have it all taken away by a corrupted file. We, yeah. we needed to yeah. collect ourselves. So we'll try and do our best. Anyway, we're going to get into it. <laughs> it was like John Netflix turned up yeah. in our podcast and kicked us both square in the balls <laughs> and said, no, no more 1899 for you and no more podcasting for you either. <laughs> John Netflix. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you know, John Netflix. Actually, that reminds me, just before we get in, a little anecdote for the guys here. Um, <laughs> that reminds me, the other day, uh, you know how Mr. Beast is always trending because he's a massive, massive YouTuber? You know, and he's, yeah. he's just crazy, the guy. But he was he was trending because of a whole lot of stuff. And then my mom, so my mom actually got wind of who this guy. He's like, who's this Mr. Beast? And I was like, oh, it's just a guy who makes videos giving stuff away and he seems to be a nice enough fella but whatever um mr beast and, he, and she goes all right and I, and I said well his name's not really mr beast his name's like jimmy and she goes all right jimmy beast jimmy beast 
Yeah, that's his surname. That's his Christian name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, anyway, there we go, guys. Into Conrad's pre-thoughts. Uh, hello. It's the end. We've made it here at long last. Oh, my voice is a bit croaky. Uh, it's Sunday morning and I've just woken up. So that's my excuse for that. No dressing gown today, though, although it is still fucking cold. But I thought, why not make myself presentable and dress up a little for the end of the show? Um, yeah, so we made it to the end of the season and indeed what looks like the end of the series, unless um, a minor miracle happens. Um, and that is that makes it odd kind of going into the final episode because I, I have loads of like theories kind of percolating away and I know that most of them are probably not going to have any kind of concrete resolution. I also know that the, there was probably a bunch of stuff that they were planning to show us um, in the future seasons that we just won't ever see now. So ideas that will probably completely blow my mind. But um, I know it's called this episode, this final episode of 1899, episode 8, is called uh, The Key which probably relates to both Mora's literal key and the figurative key that Henry is after to, I think, help his sick wife, though we may or may not see whether that's correct in this one. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's still, you know, the end, of a, the end of a leg of a journey, if not the full journey itself, and I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. I hope... Um, there's not that many characters left alive, really, at this point. So I was gonna, I was gonna speculate on who I'd like to see some inter-character inter drama between. But to be honest, it's probably just gonna be all of them because there's only like five people left alive. But, um, but yeah, something to look forward to. And um, yeah, I will catch up with you in the main body of the episode, and then after I finish watching it. Hey you, yeah, 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 you. Do you like 1899? Well, as well as these breakdown videos, we also do theories, unanswered questions, and plenty more. Subscribe so you don't miss it. The episode opens with uh, Mora's memory. They're on the plane, which we, I thought was in Scotland. Someone said it was in Iceland. I don't think it was in Iceland. I think I was right. But anyway, I'm happy to be wrong, even though I'm right. Um, anyway, so they're in this memory. Elliot finds a little bug, uh, calls it mm. Alfred. Uh, I believe in the lost yes. episode, I referred, it to, referred to it as Batman's butler. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Yes, That's there was one a, thing an I entire bit about that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we'll skip past I that. Can't, I can't, I can't figure out how we made that funny, to be honest. And maybe we didn't. So <laughs> I think it's best that we move on from it. Um, yeah, they're together in this rugged... Tun it's not really a tundra. We've discussed the landscape on length um, at this point. I can't remember what we settled on as like an, a, a, a noun for this kind of landscape. But it, you know, wherever it is... I don't know, yeah. It's a bit mountainous, sure. It's it's certainly yeah, certainly rugged. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, he's naming he's named his bug Alfred. Um, he doesn't want him to be trapped inside. Um, or well, rather, uh, Mora explains to Elliot that Alfred himself doesn't want to be trapped inside a prison. Yeah. And then we get into uh, the what I think is a slightly presumptuous assertion from Mora um, that when you love something, you have to set it free. Which yeah, yeah. I I've not seen any point in this scene where Elliot has asserted that he loves his <laughs> yeah. beetle. He simply wants to put it in a box, and frankly, that seems like she's overstepped as a parent there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honest. She's really went too far there. <laughs> when Lee, yeah, like, what are you talking about, Mum? I didn't say I loved it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a beetle. Like, yes, of course, I've given it a name. Yes, of course, I've given it a name. Doesn't mean I love it. I mean, what what actually? What do you give a name to that you don't love? Actually, that's a good question. Um, is the naming of, the, of, the, of this little mini beast impl in, in, the implication of love? That's what I want to know. It's certainly it's certainly giving it an id. 
which is you know <laughs> like that's that that's really raising those kind of existential questions of identity that this entire show is uh, is focused on to be honest um you know has 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 the naming of alfred made it a sentient being worthy of of respect in that regard but yeah i, I don't know I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to think of something funny that we that I've named that I hate to disprove the idea that if you name something you love it. But I actually can't think of anything anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of things with names that I do hate, but I didn't give the name to it. So yeah, that's true actually. And maybe when they those things were named, that was by someone who loved them, and then they slowly someone loved them slowly grew yeah. up to not love them. But anyway, so yeah, I think it was funny there because a lot of the listeners were probably assuming you were going to start talking about uh, Mora's very clear sort of internal monologue about like you know you should let things go which is really what you know she doesn't actually do that so it's a really good analogy to that what we find out later in the idea that she's like torturing Elliot over and over again or whatever she's doing yeah there's definitely a metaphor at work here i think uh we can all i think we can all agree um on that I'll, I'll also point out here that um i'm fairly sure this isn't an accurate memory um mm-hmm. based on what we see here um there's no reason for like it's, it's another example i think of a memory where like the sort of composite parts are accurate but where they're happening and maybe even the way they're happening is not right so i don't i don't see why they would be having this conversation on this like windswept mountain top or wherever the hell where else are you gonna buy uh, buy buy a beetle but as if he bought this beetle go to your beetle shop yeah Yeah, little beetle shop on this tundra um no no where else are you gonna find this little multicolored oil oil covered beetle that we'll call it i don't know it's certainly got an oily like an oily appearance yeah yeah anyway so anyway so he's got the beetle uh very clear metaphor here you saying that you don't think it's accurate actually it's quite I think I agree with you because the thing is, whenever she, whenever he, sorry, he like wakes up from the memory, he's still within the memory. He's still dreaming, right? So he's like, yes, he's now yeah. like hold in front of like the the pyramid or whatever, holding his mum's uh, hospital gown, um, and then after that, oh yeah, and then Henry says, they uh, they come first to f- they came to forget who they are. Now that yeah, that means when he woke, this is when he wakes up for real. He's in Henry's office. Um, they come first to forget who they are. That's looking at the monitors of the people on the boat. Uh, your mm. mother fooled us, fooled all of us. She's the only person who can set us, uh, get us out of here. Now this is a big yeah. point of uh, confusion for me. Well, I don't know if confusion is the right word, but anyway, a point I want to discuss. Both Henry and Mora seem to want the same thing. So the whole way through this episode, Henry keeps talking about how Mora is the only one who can get them out. At the same time. Daniel's trying to help get, help Mora get out. So why is Henry not trying to help that as well? Or is it that he just thinks that he needs the key from her? Like what what does he mean by that? Yeah, I I mean it's it's something that like I definitely return to throughout this episode is this idea that like their goals seem to align. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't really make sense why they seem to be in this in this like high stakes race to see who can get out because surely if someone gets out then everything's fine, which this is one of those things that I don't think we're ever going to get an answer to, but it, it it's one of the things that sows a seed of doubt about the legitimacy of where this episode ends up. Because if it was just like, oh, you wake up on, on a spaceship and then you need to get everyone else out of the simulation, it mm. surely doesn't matter. Um, and it does lean a bit into my theory that, that Henry Singleton is like a... He what he is a manifestation of Mora's own traumatic relationship with her dad, like, and that he will always act 
in opposition to her because he's like only characterized as an opposing force to her rather than like a real person whose motivations make sense um which i think I, i think is definitely true here but but yeah we get in this scene we get there's some great writing in this scene to be honest so him telling Elliot uh, they came on the ship because they made the decision to forget their past is another instance of like the dialogue working wonderfully both with the themes of the show mm-hmm. and also the literal events that are going on in 1899 because you've got, you know, they these people have literally come onto the ship in 1899 because they've murdered priests down wells or whatever the hell it is they've done mm-hmm. um, and, you know, they're getting on the ship to go to America to start a new life but these characters also exist in a wider context mm-hmm. or seemingly exist in a wider context by the end of the episode um, that, um, that 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 really works thematically with. And also, yes, she's the only person who can get us out of here. The beginnings of the confirmation of like the Henry Singleton theory yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that had me very excited throughout this episode. Yeah, like you predicted she's the creator and stuff. Like it all sort of fits together. Also, yeah. um, just wanted to mention as well... Uh, I think some people would probably say, you know, look, how could she be a f- he? How could he be the figment of her like imagination, or how could he be a manifestation of her thoughts? Because he's trying to get out, and Daniel thinks that he's trapped in there. We have to always remember, like everything in the simulation, we don't know what's real and what's not. So I think that I think you're onto on something there. And I think you might actually. I think that makes sense to me. I I think I would actually to the point where I would actually be surprised if when the show was to continue. If, if it was ever to be finished i'd actually be surprised if anton lesser was actually on that spaceship plugged in i don't i don't think and i know you don't think that's the case but i think yeah. a lot of people think that's probably the case i think that maybe it's just it's just he's the antagonist programmed into this thing you know through her brain or whatever she's like her brain yeah. run away with itself um but he, yeah he, he just seems too like he's too much of an of a like he stands so completely in opposition to her mm-hmm. that it it doesn't really make sense to me that he would be an actual human acting in this way. Yeah, and you could even say like maybe he's like the part of her because obviously she's the creator, so some part of her is still in control or th- thinks they're in control. So like he's yeah, might be the absolutely. part of her that's like viewing everything. Also, uh, there is a little thing to notice that she Mora did look at the camera whenever they were all. Uh, they were they were all, uh, you know Elliot and, and Henry were looking at the, the the things and I don't know why that just reminded me of like the TV show like Big Brother like can, can you imagine <laughs> like that like they're they're all in this on this boat instead of like in the the big yeah. brother house like and then like yeah Maura goes instead to, of that Maura goes to the diary room and starts ranting instead of instead of Maura saying wake up it's a Geordie presenter yeah, wake up <laughs> wake up and come to the diary room Maura wakes up yeah I can't really do it <laughs> but uh, I mean I can't either yeah. I apologize to any Geordies out there I'm sorry <laughs> yeah 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 so anyway that that was a funny image also um the episode's called the key now yes. Put the fingers away, you keyboard warriors. Because I know there's a lot of people there typing away. And just let me know. Just let you know. You're not the only one who noticed the key is an anagram for Ike. Okay? We all noticed it. We got it. I honestly didn't notice that, Conrad to be honest. didn't notice like, it. But, okay. That came up in the first recording, and I'm not going to sit here. I can't, in the sight of God, sit here and be like, oh, of course, I, f- I figured that one out. When I when I admitted to not, not noticing that. But, I mean, you know, I was I was deep in the weeds, is my excuse. I, yeah, was, yeah. I, was, I couldn't see the wood for the trees. Yeah, but that, like, that fact, though... 
that Ike is an anagram for the is key. That is like the perfect fodder for someone who loves to put a little comment on YouTube of saying, "Did you yeah. notice this?" And you know what? Most of the time, yeah. I love those comments, but this one I think is so obvious that uh, just yeah. you know, don't bother. Although, if you want to make the comment, make it, and, and then ridicule Conrad for not realizing. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I I'm here to be ridiculed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so anyway, so Ike climbs aboard the Kerberos. Now, listen, yeah. I want to talk about this because I can't remember exactly. Well, no, listen, there's gonna be a lot of allusions to this old <laughs> podcast, right? <laughs> now i'm gonna we'll try not to do it too much because because we can't the thing is like season two of 1899 we cannot fulfill the people's need, want to have that first podcast so we need to stop yeah. annoying them with it right but anyway <laughs> whenever i this okay i need to i need to reference this first there's a big theory out there anyway i don't know who made the theory i don't even know if it's actually a theory that's well held but i heard it and I actually kind of like it. And that's the idea that Ike and Mora are actually true partners in the real world, okay? So yeah. Daniel, whatever, I don't know, maybe he's an ex-partner, maybe whatever, we can talk about that. But there's a lot of chemistry between the two. And there's and also between like Jerome and Clemence, there's moments between them which makes you think there's something in the real world about them as well. So I was thinking yeah. about this moment where Ike climbs on board the Kerberos because there's a big thump when he comes on board. And the way like the Foley art is done and the way that he comes and climbs on board, it really was reminiscent to me of Daniel climbing on board in the first episode and that to me put a link between the two characters and I thought oh maybe uh maybe Daniel is just in place of Ike in this or something anyway but I that's what do you think about that idea yeah I mean I definitely think that's true I I think that the the setup at the end I, I don't want to jump ahead but the setup at the end of this episode um for who the antagonist was going to be in the second season is very very clear but knowing the way that these two make their tv shows to me it seems that in the third season the antagonist was going to be someone that we've already met whose character would be reframed to Mm -hmm. um you know be operating selfishly or or for ends that like were at least in opposition to the rest of the characters and i think i genuinely do think that at some point daniel would have been that character i think um Daniel's desperation to get uh, Mora back, as we'll, as we'll see uh, throughout this this episode, um, particularly mm-hmm. towards the end of this episode, where he kind of dismisses questions she has about the quote unquote real world, um, in in uh, pursuit of just getting her to get out of the simulation, to me speaks of someone who has ulterior motives that he's mm. not he's not being honest about so yeah i i think daniel and mora were together at some point i okay. think they're not together anymore possibly because of the loss of of elliot and the the trauma that that caused to their relationship and i think that mora and ike are together at the moment but daniel basically is trying to roll back time uh effectively by getting her out of the simulation mm. and um but but hopefully getting her to not remember everything about yeah it. which we so joked it's pretty, about it's a pretty fine operation that he's running here to be honest <laughs> we did joke yeah we, we did joke about that at some point i think in episode six or something where we were saying you know she remembered you cheated on me oh, no, i don't know i not remember that much but uh yeah, yeah. so it's sort of <laughs> yeah what else? yeah shoo, 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 shoo. back to sleep now as he yeah. injects her into the, in the, in the yeah, neck yeah. <laughs> yeah, which which ones are black or the white? I can't remember. Anyway, um, so okay, so a couple things more to mention here before we before I turn the literal page of notes, uh, and that is that uh, first of all, 
they bring up the idea of not remembering how they boarded the ship. So that was her, how she was trying mm. to convince the rest of the passengers there that you're in a simulation. I think that's really cool because whenever, I, I mean, I've never been in a simulation. At least I don't think so. Uh, but whenever, um, whenever I think about, uh, you know, dreaming, like a lot of time in dreams, you, you can't, you know, if you actually thought to yourself when you're asleep, how did I get here? You wouldn't know the answer. You know what I mean? So I think makes yeah. makes sense. It's sort of a way to put put you in a dreamlike state. Then there's also uh, the fact that they all have letters. That's another cool idea from this. Yeah. The, the letters are an interesting kind of plot device because the significance of them seems to just be if you're on the ship, you have a letter, or that seems to be the implication here. But I don't actually know if the likes of... Um, of uh, Well, if like the crew have letters. Mm. I guess Ike does. Yeah, Ike but, does. But um, S- Sebastian and... Um, well, Sebastian definitely And wouldn't. Franz... And and those those guys, whether whether they would have had one or not. Yeah, I, I will say this about the letters though. I think that uh, like they're all. I would imagine most of them are from Kieran, right? So I think about I think about mm-hmm. the letters. I think that might be like a just a physical manifestation of what he's done to rewrite the code. So instead of changing everything fundamentally, he's like put like a a new command into the pre-existing character within the code or something you know what i mean so the letter they carry is the new order that they have from his meddling maybe i don't know yeah possibly um i mean it could also be you know that he's figured out a way to make all of their actions create this like recursive environment mm-hmm. and that's like literally a command like a command might be put into a program to yeah. say this is your role. Do this because I figured out that this entire thing's going to loop if if you do. Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, and then there's a really funny moment here where like little lots of little bits of comedy in the show in terms of the not not lots just a few bits of comedy in terms of like those yeah. those two fellas down in down in the coal room. But this part I think is genuinely funny. Whatever she says, uh, you know, what are we going to do? Whatever. Uh, what's your husband doing? Whatever she says, I think my husband's trying to help. And it immediately cuts to Daniel <laughs> yeah. working away, like frantically on this machine. You know. Yeah. Just wail. Eventually wailing on it with a shovel, which is, um, <laughs> you know, whatever tools you've got in your toolbox to get it working. That's yeah. that's my stance as well. And it, I mean, it seems to work, but. Um, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't strike me. While he certainly knows more than anyone else on this ship as to how you know, in terms of what he's doing, he doesn't strike me as someone who's like confident or calm and collected in in what he's what he's doing. No, no, no. He's very frantic here, and I think maybe it's because he knows what's coming in terms of the whole thing, drifting into redness or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But like, like there's a lot of little cutaways to Daniel here. Maybe I just want to talk about them all. I suppose. Um, so he cuts away to him a number of times and there's a lot of different things he's doing which we've never seen before so for example he's like turning his like he's like opening up his little nokia engage well that's what you call it and like having little bits he has to plug in the side he's got there's a whole lot more to it here and then he also has this moment where he actually unlocks another level of this machine and something drops from from the roof now what do you think about all that design first of all yeah, so I mean, it looks amazing. I'm I'm always a big fan of like the production design in any of the kind of technology in these shows. I love like the kind of it's like modern technology mixed with like kind of baroque brass elements mm-hmm. that look great. Yeah, it's great. And then um, and I know that we said we're not going to do this, but I remember this coming up in the last episode or the last time <laughs> We've we recorded done it eight this. Times already. Uh, the, the the quantum computer oh, yeah, thing yeah. that could get like Good on that the lowers. From the scene, good on him. Yep, someone told us. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. No. No. So I. I well. Yeah. Let me, let me actually explain because they they're not. Gonna... I was going to give him carte blanche. Yeah. I wasn't going to call him out again. But fair enough. No. 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 <laughs> we'll call him out again. So basically, um, 
I it's, it's funny like you know a lot of people who are, like comment stuff on the on the channel 99% are really supportive and we have a great little community here and I'm always like jumping in the comments and chatting people and stuff every now and then there's obviously a comment which I'm just like what are you talking about you know but they're the ones I wanted to, I like to talk about so therefore it always comes across like I'm just slagging off the comment section even though <laughs> yeah. 99% are great and everything so in our first episode I'm pretty sure it was the first episode maybe second but I think it was the first episode breakdown someone commented saying you know calling Conrad a fool basically calling him an idiot because he didn't he didn't know what the design of the machine was on the wall in the engine room and then they said it was yeah. a quantum computer even a s simple google would tell you that um the thing was i obviously couldn't tell conrad this and i didn't want to re reply this in case Con conrad saw that guy didn't know what was going on in the he didn't know that we that conrad hasn't, hasn't seen the show the the quantum computer is the thing that he drops from the ceiling in this episode so that the, the the original like sort of steampunky steam whatever and also conrad listen that's not even to mention the fact that the, the thing he was slagging you off for was saying that it was for reading steam measurements which we was we were saying ironically because that's what they told ike it was for <laughs> so like the, yeah. the layers of this comment missing the point that's a little sort of little side quest for you guys go back and look at that comment yeah <laughs> just wildly flying past the point several times <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is what that is what but I anyway so we, we talked I mean, also that. what would i google what am i supposed to google yeah, yeah. like what is circular green uh, circular gold called? yeah, yeah. <laughs> why would you even know what's a computer like at that point <laughs> yeah exactly anyway good on you mate. i am a fool i'll i mean i'll admit it i'll yeah, hold yeah. my hands up for it but not for that one not for that one. No, 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 not for that one. Anyway, so uh, Henry and Elliot, um, they're sort of saying about having a wee chat, talking about our brain is a complicated construct. We can't forget anything. Time, f and then, uh, so the idea is like, you know, you can sort of lock away or like close your mind off to things, but you can't forget it forever. Also, they talk about the idea of your body remembering if even if your mind does not. And then he says, time for you to remember. No need to be afraid. This isn't real. <laughs> Lots of reasons to be afraid, yeah. I think. Mm, yeah, and and I think this is really important. This is like pretty, at, like Henry says that memories are central to who we are, mm -hmm. and that we can't we can lock them away, but we can't hide from them. They still are like composite parts mm -hmm. of our being, and I think that's really important for the show, yeah. particularly given what we're finding out about Mora and her being like the creator of this simulation that you know there's there's traumas and there's pain uh, uh that she has like locked away in her life that she hasn't dealt with and the end result of that is what we're seeing unfold in front of us here yeah yeah definitely um yeah all good stuff virginia um so we've got this moment now where all the different people like virginia ling yi clemence jerome tova ramiro they all sort yeah. of decide you know what i'm not really buying this whole simulation malarkey uh, I'm not really buying this malarkey jack and then uh, they just like yeah. mosey on down the boat they think we're gonna we're gonna leave <laughs> it does sound insane but also <laughs> like the things that they've experienced up until this point should have they they, they need to open their minds a yeah. little bit like there's literal black rocks yeah, yeah. growing on the ship like it's not just there's not normal know, stuff going on here it's not just a bad you know a bad vibe on the ship like it's very obvious some reality altering stuff is happening well yeah well the, the the thing is uh you know very quickly they all like they all leave and sort of decide to go um and and then but then very quickly i'm skipping over a little bit here but but very quickly they regret it because they're all of a sudden like where's yeah. the doctor we've got to find the doctor like listen, with, <laughs> yeah we've uh, within four minutes regret it. i think it's within yeah. four minutes of it, like real time of us watching the show they're regretting yeah, we shouldn't and have split up we should not have split up i regret that immediately no um 
Also, uh, Mora has like the, the key, right? So the little key around her neck. Um, did did that was episode seven, wasn't it? When she was like, "Hey, here it is." Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. She, she's yeah, got yeah. So a deer. So she figures out like that it's in a necklace and is just carrying it around, waiting for. Yeah. An opportune, opportune moment to use it. Yeah, she also shows them the key. I, lo- I love how that she, she thinks that's proof. Like, look, we're, living, we're in a simulation. Look, this, yeah. this is the Why key. else would I have this key? Yeah, why else would I have this yeah. key here? You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the, sh- the shafts are all gone except for Daniel's. Um, yeah. So, which is, which is interesting as well. The idea that, I don't know, maybe it does set Daniel apart in a way for me, the idea that his his shaft... Not like they went around and checked everyone's, let's be honest, but... Yeah, I mean, the simulation... I mean, I, like, I guess the simulation is kind of being, like, archived here. Mm-hmm. So, in theory, on, like, a very kind of fundamental computing level, the amount of memory allocated to the simulation is being reduced. In reality, it's not, like... You don't reduce it. It's just like I'll dump everything out of memory. Yeah. Uh, like it all goes at once. Um, or f- like physically, I guess there's maybe there's you know nanoseconds of time between it starting dumping it and it finishing dumping it, where like blocks of memory could potentially some blocks of memory could potentially still have stuff in it. Mm. But I think that's what they're trying to represent here is that like the 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 simulation is being archived, everything's being flushed out of memory or whatever, um, and so only the very very core functionality to what Daniel is trying to do is is remaining because he's like fighting to keep that there, and that's my interpretation of what he's doing here, even though it doesn't it's not quite how this would work in, in an actual physical computer. Yeah, no, no, great point. Uh, I just have a, I just had a really a little brainwave there while you were speaking. You know the idea oh. of like nothing can be deleted, like you can't forget anything. You know how I've, I've talked yeah. before about potentially this is this whole thing is like a really big, like metaphor for like you know people's online selves these days and like the idea of being plugged in and unplugged yeah. and in echo chambers and all this sort of thing. Well, isn't that the, also you're, what you're told like about the internet is like you know nothing's ever truly deleted like you can't delete something from the internet. So the idea yeah. like that you yeah. you can't you know that you can't actually forget your brain can't forget it. It adds to that sort of thematic. I idea. think there's definitely something there. I think this this idea of like us constructing like an online version of ourselves is, is like first and foremost. I think that's really that that's pretty central to this idea of mm-hmm. identity and what constitutes a real identity that they're going for in the show. But then also like, well, if that is tantamount to a real identity, because which we're, we're sort of redefining what actually what we consider to be real, mm-hmm. then you can't delete those aspects of it you know or this like massive sprawl of who you are that you've stuck out onto the internet is there forever now like you're never going to get rid of it i I definitely think there's something to that yeah do you hear that beyonce you cannot delete things from the internet that's a very a nice topical reference there although it is the super bowl today actually as we as we record rihanna at the super bowl this year though yeah, I think that, that I think that picture came from the other Super Bowl, right? The picture yeah, of Beyonce so. was Super Bowl, yeah. Um, she looks like yeah. the Hulk, and she was like, "Get that off the internet." <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, so um, so Maura doesn't remember the family photos. Uh, she says maybe they're an yeah. illusion. Um, and then they're also all wearing the same bloody clothes. We've already talked about that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we 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 did joke about this before that like the 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 reality is that it's probably like we only got these actors in these costumes <laughs> yeah. let's just take all these family photos now and just like sp- spread them around and hopefully no one will notice but the theory folks among you will be like why are they wearing the same outfits in every single family photo and why are they all the same age yeah there must be a reason there must be a reason but uh so they find a tunnel in the wall 
Um, they've got some flash, yeah. and then they've got like this really weird, like sort of flashlight from like the sixties or seventies or something. Um, yes. Uh, no question about that though. And off they go, no. <laughs> off they go through the walls. Um, and oh yeah, I think I mentioned this before. Maybe I can't. This is a problem. I can't remember if I mentioned it in episode seven or if I mentioned it in uh, the forgotten episode. But the uh, I wanted to mention here the idea of like using the Prometheus, right? So you're going through. Uh, well, sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm 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 using terminology that I haven't even explained yet. So when Henry says, "Very clever of you to use the Prometheus." Um, mm. I now that you know, I suppose I can say it now that you know that this is on a spaceship, or at least it's implied it is on a spaceship. Um, I viewed that line now a bit differently. Like when you say, "Oh, it was smart of you to use the Prometheus," I viewed it as like using the like the cables which connect the different parts of the system or the, the simulation within the Prometheus. Mm-hmm. So when the so we have like the normal tunnels which are very much in the simulation, but when you take the layer off the side and actually go into the cabling, the cabling tunnels, it makes me think that you're like actually using the other you know hardware or software or whatever you want to you can tell me what yeah you're like breaking out of the simulation and traveling through the circuitry of of, the and and wiring of the prometheus itself yeah that's what i thought yeah Yeah, which i i think there's definitely some truth to that and it's interesting that henry i guess henry does know about the prometheus the spaceship prometheus if he's Mm -hmm. if he's a human well it, it works either way because if if i'm wrong and henry is a human who's in the simulation aboard the Prometheus spaceship, mm-hmm. then he'd know about the Prometheus and his he'd be able to, like... He would say stuff like that because his subconscious would be like, well, this makes sense on both levels, both the Prometheus, the ship, and the Prometheus, the spaceship. And if, mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm right and it's actually Mora, then the same thing applies. Like, she knows about both as well. So yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, su- subtext um, or, or, I guess, double meaning to, the, to those statements that's really cool. Yeah, could, could be, could be. Um, okay, so Henry and Elliot are in room 1011, and... Uh, Yep. They're talking about um, sensors reacting to the same triggers. Mind not, might not remember, but your body does. That's what he said. So your body might remember, but your mind might not. Um, mm. He says, I'll show you the truth. Trust me. Uh, very, very, very normal thing to say to your grandson. <laughs> yeah. um, and then He definitely seems like he's desperate for <laughs> yeah. Elliot to trust him. Like, it, yeah, and trust me, promise. I don't think... I'm trying to think of anything I've seen where someone says, trust me... And it's and they're not a bastard. Normally, Aladdin, uh, there's probably Aladdin. Although he doesn't say trust me. me, he says, "Do you trust me?" Whenever he's going to take Jasmine for. Well, there you go. Yeah, he like he asks. Well, like, he is a bastard uh, actually because he is lying about his identity. There. He is lying about it. Yeah, so Aladdin goes on the bastard pile. Actually, he's yeah, not yeah, to yeah. be trusted. <laughs> Fair enough. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't yeah, know. Why I yeah, that she up. was wrong. She was wrong to trust him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, should have she should have been with Jafar the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> Jafar. He had a steady job. He was a wizard, and and he was clearly educated. Whereas Aladdin is just like some street rat. He's not like she made. The I don't I think buy all... that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh god, uh, the Colch Cave is not classist. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, so we got. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, you got to play into the English accent. Yeah, exactly. I'm English. I need to be. I need to be a villain on this. Yeah, yeah. Ch- He's got a monkey channel. with a fez. I mean, come on. Um, anyway, so here we go. So he tells him to have a seat. He gets the black and white injection things. Um, yes. He injects him with the white one, which is interesting because we've seen the black one be injected before. Now the white one gives him a memory of his mother um, and Daniel, which who is his father. But you know, my theories of Daniel and that. But so. Da- his mother and dad, his mother and his father are uh, sort of got him in this little room 
They've got yeah. suits on, which um, uh, I personally think are the same suits that are on the spaceship uh, at the end. Yeah, they don't look medical. They look like kind of crew boiler suits to me. Yeah, so, I think it uh, might be the same suit that uh, Moore is wearing in the final scene on the spaceship, which yeah, would I imply so. to me that Daniel is also, was also on the spaceship at some point, which means he maybe is yes. a physical person there, which then would also imply to me that potentially the spaceship is another simulation, but we can get into that as well. Um, so... Anyway, so there he sees this the moment like Conrad. So okay, so the reveal is that basically Elliot is being kept in this moment or kept in this space or place um, and kept keeps getting injected um, by the her, his mother and Daniel doesn't seem to be fully okay with it, but it's still it's still happening. What did you feel about this this re- revelation? Yeah, I mean, I think you can kind of see this coming. To be honest, like there's this boy who doesn't seem to age doesn't seem to like it's a really interesting performance from the actor that plays Elliot as well because he doesn't seem like a fully realized person mm. like and and they kind of play that off as like oh oh he's he doesn't want to talk because the the creator might hear him which is kind of dumb in retrospect so that's one of the things about the show that I'm like oh that's a bit silly they did that because then he's talking all the bloody time and it doesn't matter um, <laughs> but it's 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 good for his character because I feel like it's used to disguise the fact that he's only really half a person and the fact the the, re- the reason for that is because he's built from these very short the very short look, memories of the very short time that Mora and Daniel had with him as parents mm. you know because he died when he was 10 or, wh- or whatever yeah. um, so I think you can see it building up to this idea that he is not real and he like Mora's memory of him is trapped in this loop of being, of of basically being sustained as as this memory within a simulation, um, because they don't want to let him go. Basically, you know, it leans it leans into mm-hmm. the, all these ideas about you know uh, that they've talked about previously about our, our memories are always with us. We can't we can't get rid of them. And here is them literally uh, refusing to do that in the case of in the case of Elliot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, one thing she refused to get rid of as well is her obsession with Plato's cave allegory. allegory. So Plato's cave allegory, apparently Henry says that Mora, as like a little girl, like literally seven yeah. or eight, became obsessed with this idea. Obsessed. <laughs> we've all had our we've all had our Plato's cave phase when, you know, we're 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 on the verge of puberty, you know, we're getting we're growing into adults and our parents set us down for the Plato's Cave talk, and, <laughs> and then and for the next few years, you're you're mad on Greek philosophers. You can't move. Your Aristotle's and your Socrateses and and God knows what else. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so there you go. Anyway, we will sort of add to the character. Anyway, um, very interesting there. Uh, also, it's funny that Daniel is the one explaining it to her in the previous episodes because if she's yeah. like an expert on it it means she doesn't even remember it anymore well so I've speculated that the reason she can't remember what's going on in this room is because it's another example of trauma like she, the, th- the thing that she has done in this room to her son is so traumatic to her own sense of herself as a good person mm-hmm. that her subconscious won't let her remember it it's like yes. no you like it's kind of like how people who are bad people will just like go to extreme lengths to justify bad things they do um and that's essentially what more has done here i think yeah no no i know i think i fully agree that the idea of things being cut off uh, from her mind but it's interesting that that would also include her 
childhood obsession with Plato's cave and allegory. Obviously, that yeah, because it led yeah. to that happening. It makes sense, I suppose. You know, that, that would also be included in that that blackout within her mind. Um, Daniel's changing things. He's uh, making all the doors disappear. Um, the virus is coming alive, and it's actually turned into like a snake sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it looks so good. Like this is, I feel, I, I don't, I have no evidence for this. Like this is purely me speculating. But um, I wonder if a lot of the budget for the show went on this episode because the, yeah, the crazy like glitching walls that turn into this like virus snake mm-hmm. that's following uh, the people running through the ship looks so good. Yeah, and actually, uh, the creators of the show, obviously, they, they don't think it's a perfect show, but they they are fans of Lost. And therefore, I, this really reminded me of like the smoke monster in Lost. I know you haven't seen all of Lost, but have you ever seen the image of a smoke monster? Uh, I don't think so. I know there's a bear. That's the th- probably pretty much the only thing I know about Lost. Is like, it, is it a polar bear? Yeah, the polar bear. Yeah, that's in the first episode. So you've seen the first few episodes. Okay, but, I've like, seen, yeah. So just so like can't we're never gonna cover lost on this channel I, like i'm gonna cover it we're never gonna do like a after dark or like a breakdowns of lost because it's just too long you know literally, yeah. it's literally too long having said that um it is my dream if, like if someone if some crazy billionaire came and said listen we're gonna give you 500 grand to uh to do what you want this year on, on yeah, youtube we'll sell out for that i, I would literally I, I would i would literally quit my job to talk about loss with you every day um because it oh, is imagine. hilarious it's fantastic it's uh unfulfilling <laughs> it's a it's a whole lot of stuff but uh but- I'd, I, I'd agree to do that for like four episodes and then i'd realize i hate lost and go back to <laughs> yeah, no. being like no have your money back i'm going back to work in it well the problem yeah but it was made in the time where like you'd have a whole episode about something that didn't matter to the storyline but anyway anyway we'll move on so um lots of stuff changing um they start going into yeah. memories so it's almost like they're, they're going into different memories um we do also get the moment uh where connor now it's funny like this i'm actually setting this up this joke but in the lost pod, uh, podcast which you know I, I don't know if you know you guys but we actually recorded this podcast before um and in that <laughs> in that lost lost podcast, oh i misunderstood where you were going then i thought we were saying in the lost podcast oh, in yeah, the podcast yeah. about the show lost. <laughs> yeah, right okay. i'm back on board i'm back yeah, on yeah. Board. i'm not talking about the show lost again just so you know so we use the word lost <laughs> i'm not talking about that um but anyway yeah, in our in our podcast which which is lost um Conrad made a fantastic, uh, se- you know, segue and joke into the idea that Con- uh, Conor McGregor said a particular thing that every sci-fi needs to say at some point. I'm going to yes. set him up for it now because I want him to do it again, but uh, yes. it's very unorganic set now. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, a- as we all know, when uh, whenever computers are mentioned in um, in any kind of any kind of movie or TV show, uh, there is a a ticking clock until the moment that someone says this line and this is the moment that we get it in 1899 when uh sebastian uh, reveals that daniel has in fact hacked into the mainframe uh now i don't know what that means in the context of the show i don't think the showrunners or the writers know what it means they're just like we're making a show about computers someone's gonna hack into a mainframe at some point okay that's just the way this works it's like that this is the hacking equivalent of people racking a shotgun when there's already a shell oh. in the chamber and sending yeah. a perfectly good shell flying because they yeah. want to look cool. It's literally the same thing. It's like, what does this mean? Like, what mainframe are they hacking into? That is brilliant. Yeah, the shotgun is so real. <laughs> yeah. 
And I don't disagree with it, you know, it looks cool, so whatever, fine, we, we've lost a shell for some reason, but this is that here, they're just like, and uh, like, they might as well have brought in like some drum and bass into the soundtrack yeah. for this bit, while, while they, <laughs> or turned it into like a brief like Matrix interlude. I know, that's absolutely brilliant. Alright, so they start going into these memories, and also they start becoming mixed in a way. So like, um, yeah. they're, they're t- for, so there's some people going into the the May May in the Well uh, one. Who was in that one? That was Jerome and Clement, I believe. That was yes, Jerome. Yeah, Jerome and Clement. Well, no. So the Well is no, no. I sorry, not Well in the box in the box on the boat. I think that was yeah. yeah in the box is Jerome and Clement, and then the Well is Le- Ramiro Ling-Yi. and Ling Yi. Yeah, yeah. I think so. You're right. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, I can't remember what. Oh, uh, yeah. And then uh, Mrs. Wilson and Tova just go uh, to the desert. Tova just go to the desert for a bit and just hang yeah. They out didn't there. do anything extra there. They're just like, oh, we got. This is the yeah. This is the really boring. We just got to use the scene. Like, oh, let's take them in the trenches. Yeah. Okay. So there's a few yeah. things happen. First of all, you get like Olic in oil. Um, this did mm. this did make me think that uh, now okay I'll just throw my theory out here I think that Olic in the oil uh, little oil thing I think it also showed like his little like uh, New York card with blood on it yeah so I think to myself is potentially like Olic like he said he's going to New York to meet his brother has he just done like what everyone else has done and killed someone and take their place like has Olic just taken his twin brother's place and this is actually his twin brother like dead in this oil thing. I mean, everyone else has killed someone mm-hmm. by the sounds of things. So, I mean, it, sta- it stands to, to reason that Oleg has as well, because why would he be any different? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely, it, it, it does, like, that realisation that everyone it, it, on this ship, or I guess it's not everyone, because people like Clemence doesn't seem to have killed someone. Not yet. And, I don't know. But, yeah, that, I mean, that's the question it asks, is that a lot of people who are on this ship, crew and passengers, seem to have been involved in a murder. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're running away from. So the characters who thus far don't seem to have been involved in one, like Oleg and Clemence and Ike, mm-hmm. uh, and like, is there more to their stories that we don't yet know about? And I, yeah, I think uh, that Oleg coming out of like oil here, I don't really understand it as a visual metaphor, but I'm fairly certain it is a visual metaphor. Like maybe it might be literal as well. Like maybe there is a body that was dumped in oil, but um, but. Uh, yeah, there's de- there's definitely something going on here that I'm not fully understanding. Yeah, and it's also it's also not the first time these creators are going to have left an unanswered question of why is someone covered in oil as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Th- Listen, they had some they had some oil left over from the dark days, and they were like, stick on it, like, come on, we'll, like, we've got this barrel of oil. Who wants it? Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what it is. Uh, you know, or anyway, anyway, yeah. So. They they then Virginia. I suppose the one thing that happens in her little uh, in the little memory thing is that her hand starts to like disappear or like fate like I don't know evaporate. I suppose you would say you know her hand that's been yeah. virused. Yeah, it starts it starts getting all uh, Thanos clicked. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Turns yeah. into dust, yeah. dirt or whatever or dust. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um. Okay, so then we get Henry, um, asking, "Do you think your father cares about you?" He would choose your mother mm. every time. So uh talks about he would always choose uh, Mora over him. Yeah, so I think that's... Ba- like, I had a theory on this, which is basically that I think... Like, this is manipulative, but I do think this is based on something that, that Henry has seen. Like, Because Henry clearly remembers Daniel's past attempts yeah. to 
uh, break out of the simulation because he kind of taunts him about it uh, throughout the show, mm. which makes me think that he has seen Daniel make a choice that basically comes down to Elliot or Mora every single time and he's always chosen Mora. I'm not entirely sure what that choice is or if it's a choice that we see in this episode that maybe I'm just missing. Mm. Um but uh but it feels it feels like there's there's something specific he's referring to here. Yeah, yeah it does. Um okay so Ike and Mora uh, arrive in her memory um and she says Father did something to my memory in that building, and then they off they run off to the to the building. It's it's, it's Henry's big sort of mental mental health asylum. Yeah. Um, then also, uh, all they're all back on the boat now, uh, and they hear Angel singing. Um, yeah, which is never a good sign when you hear like creepy singing. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's not as, it's not as nice as the one that I heard. Da 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 da. You know that, that little song. No, that's true. It's not as nice no. as that. So. They all start. Of, they all start following that. As they do, Henry watches with tears uh, in the in the in with little in the little videos. Uh, Maura and Ike are there. Um, Connor McGregor shows up and he says, "Yeah, <laughs> crazy. You haven't figured it out yet." Uh, and then he asks for the key. Um, what do you think that he means when he says that you haven't figured it out yet? Because I mean, at this point, the, the... She, she knows it's a simulation. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess she doesn't know that she's the one who's running. That's the whole, maybe what he means. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the obvious um, solution, the obvious answer to that. But I mean, as we know with these writers, they often don't. They they often zig when you expect them to zag. Yeah, yeah. Um, they don't. They don't go for the obvious options. So, I would be surprised if that's all he meant, uh, or at the very least, I'd be surprised if there wasn't a double meaning there. Yeah. I know that it's been like speculated that Sebastian might be uh, might be Kieran, which yeah. I don't know if I I don't know if I um, ginger. It's true, maybe Irish. I'd love to see him try an Irish accent. Conor um, Conor McGregor is Irish, unfortunately. Yeah, well, yeah, they should. In the second season, when they get a bit more budget, they just recast this guy as Conor McGregor. Yeah, in real life, really, this is really, a simulation version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to really hammer home that this is, in fact, Kieran. Um, I don't know if I believe that theory, to be honest, because it seems like it's. doesn't seem like it's based on that much, mm. but it's certainly possible. It's, you know, we don't really know anything about Sebastian. So, you know, who is he? Where's he from? These are completely unanswered yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that's not unanswered though is uh, Ike's fate because he just fucking kills him. <laughs> just yeah, like, and he does apologize for it though. He does apologize for it. Uh, so he, he turns him off, uh, turns yeah. him off like a light switch. Anyway, he's gone, and then uh, Morris says, "Bring him back," and then he says, "That's not possible, ma'am." Yeah, he's gone. Which I think is re- gone from this. I think that's really interesting. The idea that it's not possible to bring him back because yeah, does that mean he's really dead, or does that mean like? his like consciousness or whatever has been moved forward into the new i don't know the new i don't know what the terminology would be hard drive there's no way he's dead yeah that i I, it's like you can't you can't bring you can't maybe upload anything new i can't upload him back into this dying uh simulation i don't know how that would work in terms of the actual physicality of the machine though you know I mean, I think the, the the reality of it is that he is dead. Like, this version of Ike mm. is dead, and they need to spin up a new version of Ike. So it is, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, th- there, is a, there is a sort of sense of mortality here. Um, and the reason that he can't bring him back is because the only way to bring Ike back would be to spin up a new version of the simulation gotcha. with all these characters in it. I think that's going to be that the case. But I, don't, but I think Ike, the Ike who is in the higher level 
of the simulation mm-hmm. or real mm-hmm. life, depending on how how we view that, um, will remember everything that all of all of the runs of Ike have have experienced. That's my expectation. This is actually, you know, what's really interesting about this. This is actually a question which you could talk. Have you seen Avatar two yet? No, not yet. Okay, okay, I've got to take it to see that. I don't mind if you spoil it though. To be okay, so <laughs> to no, be honest, one like, of the I've got a general sense of what. Spoiler alert! In it. Spoiler alert! There is a character who comes back, uh, basically. I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah. So the main, the main sort of baddie guy uh, is a character that comes back, yeah. and it's rebooted from a save point of his life, uh, from like four years before the first film or whatever. Yeah. So like that idea is actually really like it's actually coming into this here. So the idea is like you know that Ike's Ike's real person on the spaceship or whatever wherever he is. Um, is like when you create a new version of him or an instance of him for the simulation, then that one goes through yeah. all the experiences. But if that one isn't the one to lead the experience, uh, lead the simulation, then all of those experiences are gone and you reset it again. Yeah, I think there's probably some truth to that. Honestly, the, these guys, they rip off a Brazilian comic and then they rip off Avatar 2. <laughs> Before it even comes out. I think it came out. Yeah, I think, yeah, but they got their hands, they got their grubby little paws on one of the one of the copies of the script for Amazon, uh, for, uh, for Avatar 2. And they were like, we'll still that's, no one will that's notice. That's the truth that no one wants to admit yeah. is that whenever this Brazilian yeah. woman who's now <laughs> yeah. fallen off the face of the earth accused them of plagiarism, they went to Netflix. Netflix says, "What is this?" They went, "We did it. We stole. We stole her stuff." And they were like, "Cancelled!" Like you know, let's be honest. That's yeah. what happened. How dare you? <laughs> like Netflix, famous bastion of morality. We're like, that's so it. that naughty step. We'll stand for we'll stand for some things, but we'll we'll be pushed so far, but no further. And you have overstepped. Oh, um, uh, they had a phone call from James Cameron who was like this is out of order you can't let them get away, <laughs> get away with this and then James Cameron got a uh, you know uh, a phone call from the director of Pocahontas as well as the, from the director of Fern Gully <laughs> yeah Fern Gully that's the thing that no one mentions with fucking Avatar I actually quite like Avatar it's not that bad but like yeah, everyone talks about it being like Pocahontas in space yeah. I'm like have you not seen Fern Gully that's the real <laughs> yeah, story yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, it's Fern Gully but also like the, there's also just to stick on the Avatar for a minute here, the set, Avatar 2 is actually basically like you've, this, they're just doing Macbeth again so they've, they've, they've literally we've got Macbeth we've got then the Michael Fassbender Macbeth We've got the Lion King. We've got uh, the Northman, which is like literally like uh, the. Oh, that's Hamlet. Oh, sorry, sorry. Why am I saying Macbeth? It is yeah, Hamlet. Sorry, Hamlet. why am I saying Macbeth? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I just got to mix up my head. Um, no, all so the they're same. all those. All those. <laughs> they're not all the same. Please yeah, don't so cancel. So all those, all those things. Yeah, all those things I just mentioned are Hamlet, and then all of a sudden James Cameron's like, you know what we need? We need another a- a- analogy. We need another allegory, which or metaphor where we just do Hamlet again. So you've got like. Yeah, uh, it's so weird. Like, and the, the thing about it as well. Again, spoiler alert for after two. But this is I'm trying to make uh, Conrad want to watch it because it is funny to watch. I actually generally enjoyed it, but you know, let's let's be honest, it wasn't the greatest. He wasn't even ballsy enough to kill, um, to to kill off the father. Right. So he's trying to do Hamlet, but instead of yeah. doing Hamlet, he's got Jake Sully, who's prime, you know, Mufasa kill him right he should he should be the one yeah get rid of him but no no he is that character the father and then he just becomes hamlet as well oh perfect <laughs> and that's that's really upsetting to hear as well because i think sam worthington has absolutely i don't like speaking not like ill 
of people, uh, generally speaking. But I think Sam Worthington has absolutely stolen a living as yeah, an actor. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've got no idea how he has made as much money as a leading man in Hollywood because he's such a bad. James actor. Cameron put him in like a couple of things in within a couple of years, and then everyone was convinced that he was good. But yeah, he's not. Like his little accent, he can't do accents. He's got a little Australian coming through his American. It kind of works in Avatar because it's so far in the future. But still, come on, you're not good. Um, all right, you don't have to see his face though, uh, Conrad. That's good. Uh, oh, that is good, actually. Yeah, that's good to know because his face doesn't annoy me. Should have replaced him with Chris Pratt. Man. Okay, so um, Henry's office. Uh, still not um, asking the right questions. He says Kieran is the last person yep. uh, you should be worrying about. Interesting. Then they have the, have the whole yes. the whole whole idea of like people are either born a seeker or born an avoider, um, mm-hmm. and and like so the seeker and the avoider stuff is really interesting to me because the the idea of see, they also mentioned I think that uh, contra- contrary to your brother you were born a seeker to, to Mora so seek Mora's a seeker Kieran's the avoider although that is just Henry's opinion of that so um, what do you think about this whole yeah. seeker avoider stuff I mean. I'm going to say this as well. There was a great Quidditch gag in this bit here, which I'm not going to try and recreate, but just, you know, insert Quidditch Oh, yeah, yeah. We were, yeah, we were, we were going to town on the Quidditch here. Seeker uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, also, like, J.K. Rowling's a turf, so, like, I, like, I don't want to talk about her. Um, I think there's probably... As with most of the things that Henry says, there's probably some truth to this, but this kind of convenient like binary that he sets mm-hmm. up again just feels very simplistic it feels like the 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 speech of someone who is kind of operating on a very fundamental level yeah. like you've got the, the you've got the good guys and the bad guys you've got the people who are you know pursuing science and the people who who don't or who avoid science um and, and this is true of a lot of things that he says and a lot of the ways that he acts um so i think there probably is some truth to this i think there's definitely characters in this show who from what we've seen of them could uh quite neatly fit into one of these categories or the other um but i also think that the show is deliberately going to like undermine this binary at some mm-hmm. point uh because it just feels a bit too convenient for it to be like oh everyone's gonna fit into one of these yeah yeah definitely as well and also like the whole perception of it as well is the idea of seeker and avoider like i genuinely believe if you gave everyone the seeker and the avoider options everyone believes that they are a seeker like even the people yeah no one's gonna be like i actually yeah. i'm just an avoider yeah yeah, yeah exactly like, like, even the crazies who don't actually believe in any science they're still like i'm telling you the earth's flat you need to do your own research yeah. i'm a seeker in this regard you've you, got to look it up yeah you're an avoider. Ev- <laughs> yeah exactly. everyone everyone is a seeker and an avoider at the same time maybe depending on different things uh but anyway it is what it is uh metaphor um so the injection um so mm. It doesn't lead to where they think it will lead. Um, uh, the injection actually leads uh, to her back into... Gets injected with the big black stuff. Oh, yeah, sorry. We skipped... Where, where, in big capital letters here in my notes, I've skipped one line. She is the creator. Oh. She is the creator. Yeah, this is not my, not my sick mind game. It's yours. You are the creator. Yeah. And then I've written after that in my notes. Ah, <laughs> because that, which is uh, signifies the moment where I should celebrate for having called that. Um, you can kind of see it coming. I think at this point, and we've talked a lot about uh, Baron Bardo and Yonge Fries's great ability to 
put little breadcrumbs leading you to theories that get bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger until like the episode where it's going to be revealed where they where they really give you opportunities to get it before the reveal so you can feel smart yeah. um and i think i think this is a great example of that i feel like you kind of knew this was coming by this point unless you really weren't paying attention um and um... <laughs> Love it. We're gonna keep it. Love it. <laughs> keep in that. Hello. We're keeping that in. <laughs> oh my god. You... That's great. Keep that. You know what I love about that is, for audio listeners, my camera just fell. Um, <laughs> yes. Sorry. Let me just, just put the little uh, packet of sweets back under, which was holding it up. Um, <laughs> like I have. No... <laughs> yeah, that's Since great. I moved house, I've literally got like a pile of stuff, uh, which is holding my camera up. Back to like. I don't have a. I don't put a tripod behind the desk anymore, so I need to get like a wall-mounted thing. I'm literally on a pile of yeah. DVDs. Pokemon Season One's here. I got my. I got my uh, <laughs> chromatic tuner from my from my guitar, and then I've got a little box of sweets pointing it up at myself. Uh, that's how it felt. Amazing. I mean, listen, you know, jury rig, jury rigging stuff is the way to do it. You know, whatever gets the product to where you need it yeah. to be. That's that's the that's the approach to take. But um, yes, so I'm very happy with this. Um, it's a re- it's a massive reveal for for the show, mm-hmm. and I think they've done a really good job of like guiding you by the hand to this reveal as well. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't come out of nowhere. Um, I don't. Oh think. yeah, no, it's brilliant. I really really like it as well. And I will say this, uh, I'm not really a I'm not really a meme creator, more of a meme enjoyer over here. But if there's any meme creators out there who want to pop a meme meme out onto the Reddit or into the world, um, I'll give you this one for free. Oh, uh, Egon holding the creator uh, album with Mora's face somewhere on it. Uh, there you go. Perfect. Take it. It's yours. Um, okay, so... Jeez, <laughs> oh, my camera's going again here. Um, I figured out the problem. My, my, my leg keeps hitting the it's wire. It's like you've got a GoPro strapped to your thigh <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, i got to do GoPro like... from now on. Yeah. <laughs> like, just perspective. Like, it'll go with me. Watching John Bonham play the drums from the perspective <laughs> of a camera strapped to his leg. Yeah, okay, loving it. Uh, okay, anyway, so... Um, yeah, so uh, Mora goes off, uh, but then Henry Henry opens up um, the pyramid, um, which is a little little corner yes. which he turns and opens it, and then a, yeah. he puts the key in. Nothing happens. He's he's dumbfounded and he says he changed the yeah. code. Time to wake up, and then yeah, time, then he changed the code, and everyone's very like, it, it's quite funny. I I don't know if this is supposed to be as funny as I found it, but it definitely I found it very funny with the whole like the very solemn gravitas of the moment with like Sebastian closing his eyes mm-hmm. uh, as uh, as he turns the key and then just nothing happens yeah, yeah. and uh, it, you can kind of imagine it being a very <laughs> yeah, awkward t- t- closing, conversation closing his eyes was great them. actually yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's what Sebastian I'm ready did. father <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great. But uh, yeah, so he's, he's changed the code, uh, which is cool because that's not uh, that's something I didn't actually necessarily see as being what Daniel was mm-hmm. was doing. So that's a, that's a nice little little uh, twist. Yeah. So he changed the code. Deletion of the simulation in ten, nine, eight, seven, whatever, whatever, whatever. Kerberos disappears. Yep. Turns into back into code, I suppose. Just completely disappears. Yeah. Um, and then, which was really cool, I like the effects of that. But then Mora wakes up in a hospital gown. Now, this is the mm. part which I thought looked like a video game. Like, she wakes up, and there's, like, a little beam of light on the, on the cross at the grave, like, where she's supposed to go. Um, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. And then she goes yeah. uh, down into the into the sort of little grave room uh, and just looks around for a while. Daniel comes in. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's like, it worked, it worked. It didn't start all over again. 
Um, and then we go into a lot of um, a lot of mumbo jumbo or like a really emotional scene, basically. A little bit of technical mumbo jumbo, yes. but a really emotional scene. And I just want to say, this is the scene where I was properly like, you know, I love I love this actor who plays Daniel. I think he does such a good job, and yeah. I just I love how the emotion he brings into it. Like, what did you think about this final scene before she wakes up? Yeah, I mean, I think Daniel is phenomenal. I think he's definitely one of the MVPs of this show mm-hmm. um, thus far, this season of this show. Like, he really carries a lot of the a lot of the episodes, and and I think that's he's asked to do a lot um, of character work without necessarily the script to support that character work. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he has these like big emotional moments, and although some of them are in the screenplay, like the moment where the the moment a few episodes ago where he reveals that they're married mm-hmm. and that she's forgotten about him before she like locks him away, that is in the screenplay. So I don't want to sound like I'm downplaying the screenplay, but there's also a lot of pain and pathos with this character that isn't written down and it's purely in the performance mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. actor um so i think this is quite a good example of that um so he turns up um and he's like just like the the relief and the kind of the release of anxiety and desperation that we see in him here like he's almost shaking as as he's like you know finally achieved what he thinks he wanted mm-hmm. to achieve is phenomenal and i i love um that even in this moment of like triumph for this character these writers are already sowing seeds of potentially darker elements to this character mm. so when 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 Mora um, when, oh, well Daniel says this is the first simulation we ever created so this like playroom for Elliot um, and Mora says why don't I remember and his response which I think is it's, it's really telling and it's just hidden in the rest of the dialogue is that doesn't matter now mm-hmm. and it's it's so important for where this character would have gone because it, it, nothing could be more important at this point like Mora doesn't remember anything about the creation of this first simulation mm-hmm. and yet and Daniel at the moment where he could tell her something about it deliberately chooses to re- conceal that information yep. from her um, and I think this is the moment th- this is like not necessarily the start because I think there's been other other little hints before this but I think this is really the moment where the, the idea of him having potentially selfish motives maybe they're not together mm-hmm. maybe he's trying to restore their relationship and kick ike to the curb by only having her remember selective things is uh is really starting to gain speed and I, i'm convinced that daniel based on this and some other things in this season i'm convinced that daniel would have been the villain of season three of this show i think we end up with kieran positioned to be the villain of season two and i think daniel would have been the villain villain of season three yeah, I think that's amazing. Like, like in the in the Lost podcast, whenever you mentioned that that line that he said there about it not mattering there anymore, that really took me off guard. I didn't actually pick that up, and I've watched this scene so many times. Like, I actually go watch watch the last two scenes of this uh, show regularly just because I love the way it ended so much. But really, really cool, Connor. I love that, and I would have loved to see where that goes. Um, I mean, the, the creators did say in in an interview, apparently before the show came out. Uh, they were asked like what do you do if Netflix cancels you because they did say in the interview like we've told Netflix we're not making it to be a one season thing we're making it to be three seasons you know it will not be so like tied up nicely if they cancel it after one season and then they and then they said well what would you do if they did cancel it and uh, they said would you write a novel and then Jon Chafrisa actually responded mm, more like a more like a graphic novel you know <laughs> Uh, so they great. were already thinking that it's a possibility. <laughs> so I think we might get the yeah, story. I, mean, I guess you have to with Netflix. I I would be 
on on the one hand it's like I don't know how they do that because Netflix owns the rights to it I guess yeah. but I I'd, I'd love I'd love them to just you know I, I mean I don't want them to write the screenplay for no no profit no payment but it would kind of be cool for them to do it and then just be like oops I dropped it on the street and it just like it makes it But way listen to this timeline like they they convince Netflix to just give them like just give us like 500 grand and we'll write two graphic novels for you right and then, yeah. and then, like, imagine the graphic novels go really huge, hugely popular, and then Netflix commissions them to make, like, uh, TV series versions of the graphic novels. That'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they just like the most roundabout route to a season two and three. <laughs> no, 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 no. we could have possibly taken. We'll all be on our sixties by the time that happens. I mean, yeah, here's hoping. Like, but uh, if, if it happens when I'm ninety, I'll be happy. Um, okay, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there's a few things before this that she wakes up here. Right? Okay, so first of all, the mm. idea of the toy and the wedding ring becoming now the key and the pyramid. What do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, I think it's really cool. And and again, like the production design is really fun because it, it's it's you know it bears some similarities to the you know the very uh, kind of ominous looking black pyramid, um, but it's but it's a kid's toy, so it's kind of it kind of under undercuts the whole uh seriousness mm. of the of the process in a really fun way um yes i, I thought that was really cool and, it, and it, it ties back into this idea of like elliot and the uh, kind of perpetuation of elliot as a living memory for both of yeah. them being like central to their storyline yeah like and like like maybe there's some metaphor that would have been teased out like the idea of you escape this by putting your wedding ring into one of your children's toys like it's like is she giving away her marriage you know there's a whole lot of stuff you can well, do that. I mean, that's, I, yeah, I hadn't really sort of properly formalized that, I've thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense based on what I think about what happened to their relationship, yeah, you yeah. know, that I, I, it's very, very common for, you know, people who lose a child, their relationship to really struggle, often fall apart because, you know, you can't, how do you come back from that trauma? So it would not surprise me at all if Elliot's death was the thing that cost them their marriage. And this is a visual metaphor of that. Yeah, yeah, could be. Um, also, um, he says, you have to wake up, uh, everything will be lost. Um, he also says it's much bigger than you think. So that sort of implies... Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we've, we've speculated before, like maybe it's like the idea of like they're creating AIs or they're uploading people's consciousness onto AIs. Like that would definitely be really, really um, big. If we take the, the Prometheus spaceship as the real life um, uh, world and not a simulation, then that would also imply that like, you know, it's important because they're going to the new world or whatever. So there's a lot of things... Yeah. I think it will... I think this show probably was going down the route that whatever's happening does... like matter to all of humanity i don't know why i get that i get that impression you know and they definitely like this is them raising the stakes yeah. in like really traditional kind of second season of a tv show thing you know uh like th- this show is about the, the fates of the people on the ship the next season is about the fate of the world yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know like it's it, <laughs> like you've got, the got it up the, the stage uh, yeah yeah exactly yeah. yeah okay so then also the last thing maybe daniel says before she goes he's obviously he's crying and everything and she says will you be there when i wake up liar uh, but because he wasn't but um she, then he says mm. crying i'll always be there and that like he get, she gave away a wedding ring to escape this her husband there is saying i'll always be there this might literally be the last we see of him although i don't necessarily mm. think that but you know i can't really imagine what where it was going to go because he wasn't there when she woke up well i don't know what do you think about that line i i mean it yeah it definitely paints a picture of I mean, we know coming into the reveal at the end of this season that Elliot was a memory 
um, constructed by the pair of them that isn't real in the sort of traditional sense. So I think what they're trying to do here with both those things you've mentioned is sow the seed that the same is true of Daniel, that he is a memory, that he's not actually there, that he gave up, you know, he very selflessly gave up his own existence to get her out because yeah. of the fate of humanity or whatever, whatever the fate is. Um, but I think that there's a meta reason why I don't think that that's the case and a narrative reason. So the meta reason is the performance is too good for him to just never come back. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like Noah in dark like they had to get noah back in some way yeah. i know he's not like a main character in any of the second or third season of dark but he does appear again not to spoil it i guess but you know he'll appear don't yeah. worry um because that performance is so good so maybe daniel will come back in like a supporting role just to give the actor some more screen time because he's so good and the narrative reason is that i think he's perfectly set up to become a villain because his, his motives are so unclear um yeah. or not necessarily unclear but so so any any time any character is like hyper focused on something that's very personal to mm -hmm. them that uh Jonch Fries and Bambaud are really good at turning that obsession from something that's that's uh a, a positive mm -hmm. something to be seen as a good a a act into something that like boils over into into uh, a, a, a negative or even an outright evil one, as we see as we saw in Dark. So I think that's the direction Daniel's headed in. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I, I think you've, you've convinced me on that. To be honest with you, um, so last scene. Yeah, you're right. They're in space. This, is, this was a cold shot. <laughs> yeah, and this was a cold shot. I I guessed on this, yeah. and I can't believe that I was correct. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So he's um, in space. He wakes up uh, in a, from a simulation in the, mm. in the spaceship. Uh, black and white tubes going into her head, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, so obviously yeah. they are doing something with their brains with this liquid still, even in this some kind of memory experiment or something. Something's yeah. going on. Um, there's a few things I noticed about it. So uh, which I'll just rattle through. So obviously they have the little ding, ding, ding. The little screen says may your coffee kick in before reality does on a little bit of card yeah i was furious i was furious about someone that someone stuck that, a card like it's gotta be a, like it, i was convinced that was gonna be on someone's coffee cup but yeah, yeah, yeah no bueno no point You'll never know now um so it says october 19th 2099 and kieran says hello sister welcome to reality Mm. very much uh yes very much um implying that this is reality the fact that that was said though makes me think oh this isn't reality yeah, I mean, I, I, I've really gone back and forth on this, like, uh, because, I mean, not to not to give anything away, but we've had discussions with other people since we watched mm -hmm. this about about this very thing, and I can see both sides. I can see the uh, the argument that the reveal that this is also a simulation might be a little underwhelming mm -hmm. as a, a reveal for the second season. I also think that it's just like. I can't see how the second season of this show would have just been them running around a spaceship for for like you know uh with no n none of the kind of reality yeah, yeah, yeah. altering or questioning elements um so yeah i'm really not sure on that but the reveal is fantastic uh production design is amazing the music choice is amazing mm. with the with the bowie yeah, like uh, like obviously a perfect choice um and you know we we get like having had daniel say oh this is bigger than you can ever imagine we now get the potentially the thing he's talking about here it seems likely this is the thing he's talking about where um the prometheus uh has uh 1423 passengers and it's i think it says it's a colonization mission yeah, or yeah, repopulation yeah. mission or something um, yeah yeah survival implies, mission yeah exactly yeah it, it, it implies that 
these people are going to potentially populate a human colony mm-hmm. or maybe an Earth-like to restart the human race because we've, in 2099, maybe we've fucked up Earth to the point where it's it's now a dying planet. Um, which is what I think. I do think like that all these people, apart from the crew, must be in hypersleep mm-hmm. awaiting their, their destination. But it's, yeah, it's fantastic. And I love um, the Kieran reveal of him typing out um to her on a console because it immediately asked the question of like oh is kieran real or is kieran like an ai Mm -hmm. that her brother built that's running the ship in like a hal 9000 kind of way like there there are ways that they could go that would have made the second season of this really interesting i think yeah because apparently as well like uh when daniel mentioned the last scene about uh you know your brother's taking control uh since and he's like changed the simulation and everything we were actually seeing was was kieran's version of the simulation so who knows what it originally looked yeah. like was there a boat or anything like that also um this idea as well maybe like, there is an empty pod so that's one thing that we did we need to talk about there's mm-hmm. an empty pod and m- immediately i thought to myself well that must be kieran's pod because they talked about he left a long time ago and then and then we found out like that he took control of the simulation so maybe he he escaped first and then took control of the simulation that would be really cool if that's the case Yes, yeah, definitely. Or, or yeah, he left and took control of the simulation, but is still claiming Kieran is contro- in control of it because he needs Mora to do more outside of the simulation mm. um, and to motivate her to do that. She has to be operating against Kieran, but it's actually just Daniel. I don't. I mean, as I say, there's there's a lot that they could have played with yeah. in, with like the physical sci-fi that they've got set up now. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing that I wanted to mention actually. Uh, um, I can't remember how I put it across in the Lost podcast, but basically I've got a theory which I I think actually might hold some water and I think it would be really cool, but it's not really based on much, right? It's based on a few meta ideas, like the idea that having 1899 just be another simulation is that what everyone expects, so you wouldn't expect Baron Bodo and Yontra Frieza to do that. At the same time, if it is reality then t- why it's really unbalanced for me the idea of doing like two seasons in reality and one season in the simulation it doesn't really make sense balance wise yeah. yeah. so i've had an idea which i think is a really cool idea and that's the idea that although daniel was like pleading with her to wake up and convinced that he was getting her to wake up i think that potentially where they were going with it was by turning the key or by putting the wedding ring in and into this the toy instead of waking up Moore has actually unwittingly sent herself further in and went to, instead of a, a layer towards reality, she's went a layer deeper into the simulation. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely possible as well. Like, it stands to reason, you know, if you can bring yourself, mm-hmm. f- f- like, th- there's so much that, like, so much hopping around simulations um, or settings of simulations in this season. Like, why couldn't they go deeper and not realize it? Because um, so, my idea yeah. was maybe Mora is an I like, they, and their attempt at to try and make an AI, you know, to tr- to try and have an AI actually have consciousness. And so the idea is like, you know, you need to keep going deeper within the mind of the AI to go to the next level, to learn more, to go to the next level. Yeah. So like the idea of Daniel saying you need to wake up, it's like to wake up for this AI, actually it means to go deeper, to become more human. Um, lots of stuff going on there. And maybe Kieran was like at the first attempt at making an AI and that's why they're yeah, brother and sister. that's possible. That would also make sense as to why 
Henry and Sebastian et al are operating in opposition to Mora and Daniel yeah. because although Daniel's saying we need to get you out he actually wants to send her further yeah. in whereas Henry and Sebastian do want to get out mm. so yeah that's that would uh, that would tie quite neatly all of that together yeah yeah exactly so uh, yeah I've kind of like that idea any uh, final thoughts here Connor before we move into the roundup not the roundup that was the roundup um, we don't really have a roundup no I th- <laughs> yeah that's I think your that way. we've covered yeah I think we've I think we've covered everything that I wanted to I wanted to cover <laughs> Well, there you go, Conrad. There is uh, 1899. We finally got there. We did it. Sorry to... Looks like we made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so sorry, sorry for taking so long for that, guys. We like, we really, really did. We did it a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago now, and we just we just couldn't record it immediately again. Knowing, like, having the script of our last recording, I think that would have been horrible. Yeah. Um, I would have felt really, really disingenuous if I'd have been like, I would have constantly been like what was the joke here i remember saying this i need to get it back whereas like this time it's been legit this is this is culture cave unplugged yeah and i think we hit maybe 85 percent of the of the energy and hilariousness of the last one i don't don't think we got there i don't think we got there but we've we've given you we've given you something something to be proud of that's for sure I like this new standard we have of like self-reviewing yeah. ourselves after each podcast. Like, I'm gonna give that a six out of ten yeah. Yeah. For, for us. Just like, just set expectations before before anyone else has a chance to criticize. Us. Oh, but that, that last podcast was the perfect one, though. But anyway, so um, oh. that's that. We like we do have lots more stuff coming, guys. Uh, lot, we actually do have some more 1899 stuff coming. It was planned. We have done it, so therefore we are going to release it. Um, but once the dust settles on that, we, we sort of want to have a little bit of time to work on some of the stuff. Maybe we are going to come back for breakdowns. We don't quite know what, what yet. So if you have any ideas, put in the comments. We're, we're really, really happy to, to look into your ideas. I actually quite like the idea of Conrad and I both going through a show. I think someone actually said in a comment one time an idea for us to both go through a show at the same time, having not both not seen it. And then we could have like competing theory matrices. I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, we could definitely do that. Uh, I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, there have been some really good suggestions, so I'm I'm open to um, any number of them. Yeah, as Anthony, Anthony says, we'll probably take a month off or something and just do some other videos mm-hmm. so we can recharge our, bat- our breakdown batteries mm-hmm. um, and then and then come back with a bang for something that hopefully we'll have more than one season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, guys, thanks very much for watching. Um, any questions or comments, put them in the, put them in the comment section. To subscribe, all that sort of stuff. Thanks for coming on this journey with us. We got there in the end. Uh, unlike the, the uh, crew of the Kerberos and the passenger of the Kerberos, they never got to New York. We did get to the end of the season. So thanks very much, guys, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.